graciously grant that we may heed his lesson of patient suffering and so merit a share in his resurrection who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. Well, this is a special privilege, not one that I thought I'd have any time soon, but I'm absolutely delighted to lead your Palm Sunday Mass. Can I ask, uh, hands up if this is your first Palm Sunday? No one? Oh, one over there, good, two, three, four. Hands up if you've had, I don't know, five, ten, since your childhood, since your birth. Good. Sometimes we fall into the mistake of thinking that the rhythm of our liturgy, you know, Christmas, Easter, all of it, over and over again, it's kind of like a broken record, but it's not. It's anything but that. Because as Catholics, we believe that we are entering into a mystery. And what is that? Because for us as people of faith, it means something very unique. It has a particularly Catholic meaning. Some people think a mystery is just something you don't know. That's just a big question mark, you know. That's not what we mean. Some people think it's uh, something you encounter and you have to turn off your intellect. Just stop thinking. Don't think about it because it's nonsense. We don't mean that either. And lastly, some people think that it's a mystery to solve, like a, like a puzzle. You know, if I can just wiggle it this way and change that shape, I'll figure out the mystery. All of these definitions are not what we're talking about, okay? Because we're talking about all sorts of mystery. Paschal mystery, the mystery of suffering, the mystery of, the, uh, of grace, the mystery of redemption, all these mysteries, okay? For us, a mystery is an encounter with the true and living God, usually through a very mundane material, like ashes, or water, or palm leaves, or little gestures that we do, or bread. I mean, of all things, and it's not even very fancy looking bread. It's just like a white little thin hose. Doesn't even have any taste. But these are the symbols that we employ to kind of embark on a never-ending journey into the mystery. And so it's never vain to make the rounds again and again and again because it's not vanity. It's nothing but a broken record. We're entering something deeper and deeper and deeper. So the question I guess I'd ask is, how many Palm Sundays deep are you? That's really the question. How many Palm Sundays deep are you? How many Easter's deep are you? Because guess what, if this is your 50th, but you're still at layer one, somehow you missed the way in. You've got to get into it. You've got to get inside it. Now, I'm tempted to talk about one thing that's a little bit intense, but man, the readings have it right there, so I think I'm going to go there if that's okay. I like words. Words are really interesting, aren't they? You know, and when you look at the root of a word, you look at the animal, you're like, I'm sorry. it's interesting. It's interesting. We heard just the other day about metanoia. Can everyone say that? Metanoia. metanoia. Anyone knows what that means? We heard the definition from Steph. It's a kind of turning around, right? A reorientation of my being. Where am I looking ultimately? At myself? Uh, at some celebrity? At some little kind of creation? Hopefully at the base of my being, I'm looking to God. I'm seeking his face. 
But the word repent, it has a, a really interesting root that I didn't know about until just recently. I was looking at the mystery of suffering. And what I discovered is that there's all sorts of dark stuff in this world. I think we know that. Um, I mean, hands up if you think the world's absolutely perfect, doesn't need to change at all. This, there's brokenness. There's brokenness in this world. And it seems to be increasing. I mean, it's fracturing all over the place. And darkness is creeping in and settling wherever it can. Thick, thick darkness is trying to find little pockets where it, where it can be safe. St. Thomas Aquinas, he talks about suffering for us in the human experience. He talks about two kinds of suffering, and I'd love you to get these in your mind, because one is not the other. They're distinct. They're sometimes found in the centers, but they're not the same. Thomas talks about one suffering he calls Puenna. P-O-E-N-A. Can everyone say Puenna? Puenna. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, Puenna is, let's say, redemptive suffering, right? Um, it's where we get the words penance. Think of the Lenten disciplines we've just undergone for the past 40 days. Uh, fasting, praying, doing charitable works. This is, it's inconvenient sometimes, you know, to do that. It causes me a kind of pain. But it's puena. It's a, it's a good kind of pain. When I undergo that pain, it does away with evil. Evil sort of evaporates before our very eyes. But there's a second kind of suffering. And this suffering is called kulpa. Can everyone say kulpa? Have you ever heard the mina kulpa, mina maxima kulpa? My fault, that's what it means. This is the suffering that comes when I choose something wrong. And it hurts. I mean, it hurts immediately because my conscience knows it's wrong. But then suddenly, wrong just seems to cascade out of it. Suffering and darkness and brokenness. Uh, it's almost unstoppable once you've tipped the first domino over. It's scary. It's scary that we have that power, because we do. We're, we're pretty powerful little people here. Anyway, Thomas says this cool thing. He says that one suffering sort of undoes another. So imagine we've got a whole lot of kupa. <laughs> Let's say we've got a whole lot of kupa in the room. Um, if we want to get rid of that, there's really only one way. Puena. That's the only way. You have to do away with it. You've got to chew it up as a member of Christ's body. You've got to sort of devour it. Strange, isn't it? I'll give a little analogy of that. I was talking to one of the brothers about this last night. But imagine that um, we're in a little valley and it's full of litter. You know, there's like Coke cans and, I don't know, Mars bar wrappers and stuff. Just all over the shop, someone's had a little feast. Um, it's noble to clean that up, isn't it? That's like a good, noble thing to do, right? Even though it's annoying. Even though it's not my rubbish. I just happen to find it. But if I can undergo that cleaner of cleaning up that rubbish, that's good, that's noble. Does it make any sense for me, then, to go and put rubbish everywhere so that I can clean it up? No. No, there's enough rubbish in the world already. We don't need any more culpa. Um, we don't need that. Um, we're going we're gonna to sort of accidentally stumble upon it from time to time, but actually our lives are about cleaning up. 
our lives are about the mystery of the cross. Such a strange mystery. And honestly, the Christian imagination engages with it in such a unique and strange way. We believe that we can actually do away with this stuff if we're with Christ, through Him, with Him, in Him. It just vanishes. And only Jesus makes this claim, by the way. Uh, listen very closely when we get to the, to the Eucharistic, the high point of the Mass, and I say, Behold the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sins. Who says that? Isn't that a crazy thing to say? Who can do that? No one can do that. Jesus can. He has that infinite, kind of unimaginable power and capacity and desire to free us, to free us utterly. He says, I make you free indeed. And he frees us from everything, sorrow, pain, doubt, even death. Something else I wanted to say, and it's about the mystery of Jesus himself. Bear with me here because we're going to come back to the very reason why we're gathered here. Even the theme of our gathering this week, this year. Um, who's someone who's a bit big in this room? Because I'm not really that big. In fact, I'm not big at all. Pete, Peter, Pete, can you stand up for a second? Pete's a big guy. Sorry, I hope no one objectifying you like that. Now, can I ask you, um, between Pete and Jesus, who's bigger? I mean, I mean, anatomically, I think Jesus might have been shorter. But Jesus is bigger than that big fellow right there. So you can sit down. Um, what about this building? You know, who's bigger? This or Jesus? What about this country? What about this planet? What about this cosmos, the created order, time and space itself? See, we make this horrendous claim. I don't know if you believe it. But if Jesus is who he is, he's not just some Nazarene guy from 2,000 years ago. Historically, yeah, he entered there. Um, eternity entered time. The Logos, the, the very mind of God took flesh. And we can now look at the mind of God. He's got eyes and flesh and hair and, I don't know, probably rosy cheeks. I don't know. I don't know what Hebrew people look like back then. But this, this is who we're gathered in. Now, you know when we look at that scripture, John 14, verse 2. My father has many rooms in his house. If he didn't, I wouldn't have told you that. I wouldn't have gone there pretending to prepare one. Guess what? That house is not a thing. Get this very, very straight in your mind. The house of the Father is not a thing. It's a person. Jesus is the very home that all of us belong in. Do you believe that? He's the, he's the refuge. He's the place where you rest. He's the place where you dine and feast. He's the place where you gather with your friends and family. There's many, many rooms. There's more than you can imagine. That's why Jesus undergoes this kind of torturous process of being stretched. He desires for every single soul to find a home in Him. 
to ask a moment. Just think of this world with all its beauty and wonder and majesty and uh, diversity and colour and texture, everything. But imagine too and acknowledge that we're not really enjoying the, the eternal Jerusalem as we said. We're not in heaven yet. This, this earth is not our final resting home. We're on pilgrimage. As Teresa Buzier said, we're, we're just passing through here. The, the, the world's thy ship and not thy home. We have to cross torrential waters to get there. And they look threatening. And I guess to some degree they are a threat. But they're also a big bluff. Jesus clearly says, you will have many troubles. But take courage. I have conquered the world. So let's enter that house today. Let's set foot in heaven, even just for a moment. Let's be transformed, let's be changed. And let's be the ambassadors of the great gift that we've received. The great, wonderful mystery that will really take all of eternity to enter into and to enjoy. But we're entering now, and we're going deep.